If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing and take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 17. Second Samuel 17, we'll begin at verse 1 and read to the end of the chapter, verse 29. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and discouraged and throw him into a panic. And all the people who are with him will flee. I will strike down only the king. And I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes home to her husband. You seek the life of only one man and all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom. And all the elders of Israel. And Absalom said, Call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he has to say. When he came, Hushai came, and when Hushai came to Absalom, Absalom said to him, This thus has Ahithophel spoken. Shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, This time the counsel that Ahithophel has given is not good. Hushai said, You know that your father and his men are mighty men and that they are enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, your father is expert in war. He will not spend the night with, your, with the people. Behold, even now he has hidden himself in one of the pits or in some other place. And as soon as some of the people fall at the first attack, whoever hears it will say, there has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. Then even the valiant men, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will utterly melt with fear, for all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and that those who are with him are valiant men. But my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you from Dan to Beersheba, as the sand by the sea for multitude, and that you go to battle in person. So we shall come upon him in some place where he is to be found, and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and all the men with him not one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel will bring ropes to that city, and we shall drag it into the valley until not even a pebble is to be found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. If the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. Then Hushai said to Zadok and Abiathar the priest, thus and so did Ahithophel counsel Absalom, and the elders of Israel. And thus and so have I counseled. 
Now therefore, sing quickly and tell David, Do not stay tonight at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means pass over, lest the king and all the people who are with him be swallowed up. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz were waiting at En Rogel. A female servant was to go and tell them, and they were to go and tell King David, for they were not to be seen entering the city. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So both of them went away quickly and came to the house of a man at Baharim, who had a well in his courtyard, and they went down into it. And the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it, and nothing was known of it. When Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house, they said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They have gone over the brook of water. When they had sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. After they had gone, the men came up out of the well and went and told King David. They said to David, Arise and go quickly over the water. For thus and so has Ahithophel counseled against you. And David arose and all the people were with him. And they crossed the Jordan. By daybreak not one was left who had not crossed the Jordan. When Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and went off home to his own city. He set his house in order and hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. And then David came to Mahanaim and Absalom crossed the Jordan with all the men of Israel. Now Absalom had set Amasa over the army instead of Joab. Amasa was the son of a man named Ithra the Ishmaelite who had married Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. And Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. When David came to Mahanaim, Shobai, the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar and Barzillai the Gileadite from Rogalim brought beds and basins and earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans and lentils, honey and curds and sheep and cheese from the herd for, the da- for David and the people with him to eat. For they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Over the last few weeks, we have seen the, the troubles of David increasing. Last week in chapter 16, we saw David being deceived by Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth. And then how David was cursed by a man with the name of Shema. And then finally how David was humiliated by Absalom, his son. Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel as he listened to the counsel of Ahithophel. And so over the last few weeks, David's life has been getting more and more troublesome. Now this is leading for David and Absalom to to next week when we see that war that we are beginning to see transpire before us even tonight. Again, 
In chapter 15, we saw David fled Jerusalem. Absalom was on the way. Absalom wants to take the throne. But David left some men behind. These men were Ahimaaz and Jonathan, the sons of Zadok and Abiathar, priests of Israel. And David had left his friend Hushai back as well. And this is all part of David's plan. These men had a job. And their job was to be spies concerning what Absalom was going to do. And then inform David as they received information. Now last week we saw Hushai pledge his allegiance to Absalom. He told Absalom that as he had pledged his allegiance to David, he would now pledge his allegiance to David's son. But it was all a ruse. It was a a deception. For Hushai, as we see tonight, is still faithful to David. And tonight we see God answering David's prayer. That prayer he prayed back in chapter 15 and verse 31, David said, O Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And tonight we see God doing just that. Turning the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. You see, the Lord is still for David. David has doubted that. David has wondered, could the Lord still be uh, for him? And tonight we see clearly that God is still for David, even though he had committed great sin against the Lord, that God has, had, did not cast him off. And God does not cast off His people. Now we deserve to be cast off. We, we deserve for God to just wash His hands of us and say no more. But for those who have been brought, bought by the blood of Christ, God doesn't do that. Why can that be? How can that be? Well, because Jesus has paid our penalty in full. We hear the war drums beating tonight for David. David's life is in danger once again. Nothing new for the king. But it's different this time because it's his son. But as we saw David when he fled King Saul, the Lord protected him and the Lord does the same here tonight. And there are two things that we see from our text. And the first is how Hushai intercedes for David. Now we hear Ahithophel's counsel in verses 1 through 4. And that counsel is, is this, that that. Absalom is to let Ahithophel go and attack David that very night. Now now look back at the very end of chapter 16. In the last verse. Now in those days the counsel that Ahithophel gave was as if one consulted the word of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel esteemed both by David and Absalom. And so Absalom hears Ahithophel, and and Ahithophel wants to pursue David. He says, let me choose 12,000 men. I will arise and pursue David tonight. Why? Because in Ahithophel's mind, David is weary. He's weak. Now would be the ultimate time. Now would be the perfect time to attack the king and to attack his men and to take the life of the king and the king only. 
Ahithophel believes that if they were to come upon David while he's weary and discouraged, it would throw David into a panic. It would throw his men into a panic and that he would kill David and bring the rest of the men back to Absalom as a bride comes home to her husband. And that advice seemed right and good. Not only to Absalom, but to all the elders of Israel. Now Absalom did not listen to the multitude of counselors in this regard. He, he, he had that counsel. He had the elders agreeing with Ahithophel. Even Absalom said, thought, oh, that is a good idea. But he wanted to hear from another man. Hushai. And this is the man that God uses to get word to David. And this is how Hushai intercedes for David. Absalom calls him and tells him what Ahithophel has said. And he says, he asks, shall we do as he says, if not speak? And so Hushai gives his counsel. What he's told you is not good. And then he gives the reasons for that. He reminds Absalom that David and his men are fierce. They are, are fierce warriors, fierce fighters. We know this to be true of David. It's not an untrue statement. And that they would fight like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. That's something you do not want to be around a bear that has been robbed of her cubs. That bear will tear you from limb from limb. But not only that, he reminds Absalom that his father is also an expert in war. He's valiant. His men are valiant, but they know how to fight. David would not spend the night with his men. He would actually go to, to some cave, maybe one of the same caves he went when Saul was chasing him, and he would hide there. And the men with David, they are faithful to David. They will fight to the death for the king. And so as he tells him that Ahithophel did not give him good counsel, he gives his counsel. Now why does he give this counsel? To give David time. Because what he tells Absalom to do, it will take time to achieve it. And so this gives him and David some time. It gives him time to get word to David. And David time to get across the Jordan to safety. And so he tells Absalom, gather all of Israel together. All the fighting men of Israel together. The whole army of Israel from Dan to Beersheba. And Absalom, you are to lead them into battle. Now that's important for what we'll see next week. Absalom will lead them into battle and it will not go well for him. He says that your army will go and search for David and wherever they find David, they, he will have no escape. Even if the king withdraws to a city, then his army is to go and pull that city down until they find the king. And so what is Absalom to do? He's got two competing counsels. He's got two competing visions, if you will. And so he listened not to the counsel of Ahithophel, the man that had given him good counsel. He listened to the counsel of Hushai. Why? Because it was the Lord's will. 
Did you notice verse 14? Absalom and all the men of Israel said the counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel for the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. Now here we see that God is very much involved in the affairs of the day. Uh, he, is, he is sovereign over all things. He foreordains all things which come to pass. And not only that, He also brings them to pass by way of His providence. And this is what He's doing. But He's also answering the prayer of David. David had prayed that the Lord would, would confuse and confound the, the, the counsel of Ahithophel. And He's doing just that. And He's doing it in such a way that He will, God will bring harm upon Absalom. Why would God want to do that? Because David is his chosen king. David is the man after God's own heart, not Absalom. David is the one that points to the Son of God. And so the rest of our chapter, we see how God delivers David from death. And He uses means. He uses people. We find Hushai sending word to David. He goes to the priest and he tells them all that had transpired and he tells them to send quickly to David. And so their two sons, Jonathan and Ahimaaz, they were waiting for word at En Rogel. And a female servant brings them that word. But there's a little bit of a problem. There's a spy. There's a spy for, for Absalom. And so this young man sees and he goes and he tells Absalom what he sees. And so Jonathan and Ahimaaz, they, they, they go, they flee. It seems that they may have saw this young man. They knew what was happening. And so they go uh, to Bahurim. And they went to the house of a man there. More than likely they knew this man. And they knew the house. And a female servant, a woman of the house, took and uh, they went and they into the well in his courtyard, and they went down into that well, and the woman took and spread a garment or, or covering over the well's mouth, scattered grain on it, and nothing was known of it. Why? Because Absalom and his men, they were coming, they were they were pursuing, they were wanting to find these men and, and deal with them. And so they come to the woman and they ask, where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? They said, they've gone, they've gone over the brook of water. And they saw they could not find them and they returned to Jerusalem. Now this too is deception. But this woman is protecting the lives of these two men. More than likely, she knew that they were getting word to the true king, King David, much like the, the Hebrew midwives dealing with Pharaoh in Egypt when they were to murder the, the, the sons of, Egypt, of, of Israel. They, they said, well, we're, we're just too late. We can't get there in time. They're vigorous in their childbirth. But God is using this. He's using this woman. He's using all of this to get word to David. And so as the men of Absalom could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. And these two men, they take that word 
to David and they tell him, Arise, go quickly over the water in verse 21. For thus and so has Ahithophel counseled against you. And so David arose and all the people with him went across the Jordan, east of the Jordan, and they made it safely across the Jordan by daybreak. Now this gives a little bit of time. It gives a buffer, as we're going to see, because Absalom is coming. Absalom is on his way. Absalom is going to pursue his father. And there is going to be a fight and a war. And we will look at that next week. But as we go, and then we have a a verse here in verse 23 that might seem out of place. But it fits because we hear what happened to Ahithophel. He heard that his counsel was rejected. So he goes to his hometown. And he sets his house in order and he hangs himself. He died. He killed himself. And he was buried in the tomb of his father. Now why would he do this? Well, part of it was his pride. He was slighted by Absalom. He was the counselor for the the up and coming young man who was to be king in his mind over Israel, but yet Absalom would not heed his counsel. Again, which was good counsel, which probably would have led to success for Absalom. But we know God is in the work in the background. But the second reason was this, as his counsel was not heeded, he was now in danger. His life was exposed. Because his counsel was not followed, then he concluded that Absalom's cause itself would fail. And once that failed, then he would be put to death for his crimes against the king. And he would also be put to death for his crimes against the concubines of the king. And so I guess he saved the king some trouble. And he took his own life. And so our passage ends with the armies taking their positions. David came to Mahanaim. Absalom is crossing the Jordan with all the men of Israel. Absalom had a new commander over his army, a new general, Amasa. Why? Because Joab is with David. Joab would not follow Absalom. We get a little history of Amasa and we find Israel and Absalom encamped in the land of Gilead. And as David comes to Mahanaim, we find that David receives help. We find a friend for David. Shobah, a younger brother of the royal family of the Ammonites, was kind to the king. And others as well. And we find them bringing to David what David and his men needed at that moment. They brought furniture for them to lie on. They bought brought beds, they brought provisions of, uh, for his table of wheat and barley and sheep and cheese, honey and curds, bean, beans and, and lentil. They brought all of this for David and his men. Why? Because they were hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Now what application can we make tonight? Well, I believe the first application that we make is found off of those final words of our text. 
Because what should it remind us of? It should remind us of Israel in the wilderness. And that means that we, as the Israel of God today, as the church, again, we are walking through this wilderness of life to our eternal home. This world is not your home. Christian, this world is just merely a place where you, you live to glorify God in all that you do and you will be welcomed into that home one day by the Lord Jesus. And as we walk through this wilderness of life, we will be hungry, we will be weary, we will be thirsty. Many times physically, but not spiritually. We saw a few weeks ago that David as... He was fleeing Jerusalem. He, he penned Psalm 3. We went through that psalm that evening. But you remember that David says he lied down and he slept and he woke again. Why? Well, because God was with him. God was for David. And that gave David a renewed confidence. That de- gave David that renewed hope. And now God sends him a more, even more hope as his physical needs are met by these men as he was hungry and weary and thirsty. And so the second application is this, how we are to be generous according to our ability to those in distress. Especially those of the household of God. As believers in Christ, we have a responsibility to help those in need. God blesses us in different ways. And, and these men, they, they brought quite a bit for David and his men. I might have wanted to keep the sheep for myself. But they brought the sheep. They brought honey. They brought curds. They brought all of this to David and his men. And so we see that God calls us to help those in distress. And God blesses us in different ways. And we will have different ways that we can supply the needs of those who are in need. And this is especially true in the church. Uh, I want to say something, it may be quite bold tonight, but I believe it's the truth, and it's this. There should never be a member of Christ's church who does not have food to eat or other needs that need to be met. There should never be that. Why is that? Because we're a body and we belong to Christ, but we are connected to one another. And if there's a brother or sister in need, then we are to be supplying that need and showing the love of Christ to that brother or sister. The third, we see tonight how God uses men and women to protect the lives of the saints, to protect the life of David. And this is just another reminder that God uses means. God uses means in fulfilling His decrees. He used means in protecting David from Absalom. And we know that God uses means in the church. You know, there's such a temptation for pastors and elders to go away from the means of grace that God has given to His church. Why? Because we think they don't work. 
We doubt whether or not they, they can work. We think, well, if we do this or have that program or that program, that will work. That will attract a crowd. Well, it may attract a crowd, and, and some good things may come out of that, but, but we are to be a means of grace church. And that might mean we may never be a large church. But hopefully we'll be a faithful church. And that's what matters the most, isn't it? Being faithful to God. Being faithful to the God who has redeemed us by the blood of Christ. Being faithful to the God who, who here protects David by use of means. But then fourth, we see that no matter what may come to us or against us, if we belong to God, then we are more than conquerors in Christ. Turn over with me to Romans chapter 8 because Paul Reminds us of this truth in Romans 8, and we'll begin at verse 33. Verse 33, Paul says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, David is seeing that in his own life. The counsel of Ahithophel was confused and wasn't listened to. David is safe by the hand of God. And the same applies to us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in and through Jesus. No sickness, no war, no famine, no persecution can separate us from the God who loves us and who has redeemed us. And so as we close tonight, the question is this, do you know of that love of God that is found only in Christ? You know, it's often asked, does God love all men? Does He love everyone? Well, in a sense, He does as their Creator. But He only truly loves His children. Those whom He brings to faith by His Spirit in Christ. Do you know that love tonight? If not, then, then it's available to us. It's available because what does God say to us concerning that love. Well, he says this, turn to my son. Turn to my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You see, God calls us tonight to turn from our sin and turn to Jesus and put our faith and trust in him. And as we do that, then we know, yes, God did love me. And God does love me. And he calls us to faith in his son. And you see, that is 
the plan, the decree of God to save for the glory of His name many. To bring them out of darkness into light. To bring them from death to life in Christ. And so the only way we know of that love that God has is through Jesus. And so if you do not know of that love tonight, then see that love at Calvary. See the love that God has. The love that He had so much that He sent His only begotten Son. To die on the cross, not for the sins of the Son, but for the sins sins of those whom the Son would die. And whoever believes in Him has what? Everlasting life. Just as Paul says, nothing can separate you, if you know Christ, from that love of God that is in Jesus. And so may God give us that very heart we need to see that love He has that is found in His Son. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank You tonight for Your Word. And we thank You that You give us another example, O oh God, of how You protect Your people. And Father, we thank You that You are sovereign over everything. And everything that we see happening is by Your decree. And, and You know how everything will end. And we're in the dark. And yet we, we trust You because we know You know all things perfectly. And Father, we thank You for that spiritual deliverance that is ours in and through Christ. And I pray, O oh Lord, for any here tonight that does not know of that spiritual deliverance and salvation that even now you would be working in their heart by way of your Spirit, calling them to your Son. And that they would see their need of Jesus and fall at His feet and cry for salvation. And O Lord, if they do that in faith, You will save. And O God, may we, who are already in Christ, may we be faithful to You. May we... Be the the, the means by which you use to bring others to Christ by telling them of that good news. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.